14 minutes it is uh, uh, before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. We take a look at uh, the uh, top business stories on this Thursday in our business wrap and uh, joining us uh, to uh, make sense of some of these stories is Bright Kumalo, Portfolio Manager and Analyst at Vestact Asset Management. Bulaz, good evening to you. Good evening, Ayabong. How are you doing? Good, my brother. Uh, I want us to start in Nigeria, uh, maybe switch things up a little, because I do think uh, that uh, there are some very ominous signs, especially if you think about uh, energy disruptions, uh, that uh, ominous lessons we could learn uh, from uh, what's happening in Nigeria. Now, not only just on the fact that there's very little consumer demand at the moment and manufacturers are sitting on unsold inventory, but they're finding it very difficult to be able to get some inputs from abroad because of, uh, I guess, shortages of foreign exchange. What's happening here? Yeah, I think you've mentioned uh, all the important, um, you know, um, moving parts that are not driving that economy. And definitely the currency one has to be the biggest one. And obviously the fact that they're an oil-driven com- um, country is another big problem. I mean, we've seen the oil price basically at the same level that it is currently around 40 uh, US dollars a barrel or just below that. Uh, and then there was lockdown, um, and all of these factors combined together, um, you know, they they, they basically uh, contributing, especially for a country like Nigeria, which is, you know, a big part of the economy is dependent on uh, oil sales and obviously extraction and, you know, all those things. Um, lockdown has definitely not been good for them. Even though, uh, you know, the economy only contracted by 6.1% in the second, 6.1% in the second quarter, it compared to our 51%, so it, it makes us look like proper looking. But, I mean, we probably are coming off a, a higher base than there if we had to compare one yeah. to one. Uh, but um, Nigeria, Nigerian economy, uh, you know, let me just say the whole uh, pandemic has not been a, a good thing for Africa. And this is a perfect mm. example, yeah. 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 Bulaz, I mean, just a quick one before we take Take a break. I mean, the ominous lessons I was talking about are just on the energy front. I mean, I'm shocked. 38% of production costs for many manufacturers in Nigeria uh, are costs that are spent on alternative power sources. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah, correct. So I think yeah, we're, we're in a tight fix, but I don't think we're in that tight a fix. No, no, we, we're definitely not there. I mean, um, about 10 years ago, Nigeria was, you know, used to what we call um, load shedding here because electricity... In deep in the city, in in, in, in Lagos, you get only just four hours of consistent supply of electricity, and that's about it. So imagine operating there, operating a, a big plant that's supposed to be, I don't know, manufacturing some sort of a widget. Um, that widget is going to take time to get to, to the people because producing it is quite hard. And obviously, by finding these alternative power solutions, which I'm assuming a lot is going to be, you know, things like solar, um, it's going to be expensive, especially if you can't do it in Naira and you can't get your hands on these U.S. dollars, right, which is basically the, the currency that everyone in Africa operates with. So it's, it, it, it's tough. Um, yeah. This has been a story of Africa for a very long time, but this needs to change in the near future to the, you know, uh, the long term. Yeah, it needs to change. Sure, I mean, sure. Um, we, we've shown that you know we are advanced in technology. Uh, we are good at using things like mobile money. Yeah. We are good at you know, it's very innovative. So it's a matter of time that these things change. But 
Let's pause them, Bulaz, because uh, I'm certainly hoping Grand Inga can come online soon. But uh, that's a story for another day. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, I want us to take a look at what's happening at Sunlam. Eight minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned into Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. It's our wrap of the top business stories. And I'm joined by Bright Kumalo uh, from Vestact Asset Management uh, to take a look at some of these stories. Um, Bulaz, Sunlam, uh, I guess uh, seeing some shifts in strategy, shifts in personnel, uh, now, we know they don't declare any interim dividends, but uh, certainly set to see their profits rising here. And a lot of this has to do, uh, I guess, uh, uh, if we think about it through their expansion ambitions into the continent, uh, by seeing that as a new source for uh, some of their business volume growth. Correct. I mean, um, you know, we saw the headline earnings to share, which is, you know, um, where you strip off all the wants of items, uh, you, mm. you, you see that they grew about 10%. But if you include those wants of items, uh, you see that um, net profit, basically, or operational profit, sorry, uh, were down about 39%. But what's interesting, like you're saying, through acquisitions and obviously the expansion into Africa, uh, new business volume increased by 40%. Uh, to 157 billion rand. That's just for the half year, right? And this is obviously including, uh, well, you know, including things like, you know, the, the, the um, funeral policies uh, with the partnership with Capitex, uh, yes, Capitex yes. clients, um, that grew by 9%, notwithstanding that, you know, we were in lockdown and a lot of people got followed, um, you know, lost their jobs essentially etc so this number particularly with this partnership i think is uh you know quite telling it's uh it, it shows resilience in this uh giant of the company um like you say yeah there's been a shift in strategy we saw that deal um with uh arc uh, african rainbow capital and uh, in terms of mm. you know selling part of its uh, third-party asset management business to African Rainbow Capital for, you know, uh, just under 800 million rands. And then obviously, uh, you know, rejecting that and obviously just focusing more on uh, insurance on their side. Uh, and last year also, talking about, you know, these uh, ones of items, there was 1.7 billion rand charge related to that, you know, BE deal that, that they did by empowering a lot of, um, business women in South Africa, so that was quite interesting. Even though it wasn't a broad-based deal, it's just a BE deal. Uh, it was, you know, friends and family, as I like to say it. Uh, it wasn't broad-based at all. Uh, employees were not <laughs> included. Mm. That's a, a, an easy way to to to, to criticize the deal, whether it's broad-based or not. But uh, we are not there today. We're just looking at the numbers. But I mean, Bulaz, you know. If you think about the hard lockdown, right? The hard lockdown probably ran from the end of March right through to maybe sort of parts of June, uh, which um, I guess encapsulates this um, six months ending in June. Yeah, Yet 40% yeah. growth in new business volumes, 44% growth in net fund flows. What are these guys doing that maybe some of the other competitors are not doing? I mean, aside from, I think everybody always talks about a foray, especially financial services players, into the continent. So so certainly, I mean, if we strip that aside, what, what about this particular business and some of the things they've been able to do that have allowed um, them to weather the storms yeah, and I still mean, con continue to conservatively, you know, uh, 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 make provisions for the lockdown? So, I mean, you, you want to look at who's the competition, right? Um, mm. You've got another 
stalwarts, which is Liberty, and then you've got uh, MMI, which now calls themselves Momentum Metropolitan, or whatever they want to call themselves that day. Um, mm. And you've got Discovery, <laughs> for example, uh, which is very innovative and disruptive, right? Um, and these are the businesses that are supposed to compete together, um, you know, into going into Africa. But Sundam has had that Saham business up in, you know, in, in northern West Africa, um, and then they've been there for quite some time, and they've increased their stake in that business. Uh, there's been a lot of drama in that business itself, but these guys are, you know, in essence, deep, deep down, they're great salespeople and great operators. They are not, um, you know, your typical financial engineers. These guys know how to do business. Uh, you know, when you mm. talk about old school, just getting out there and knocking on the door and signing policies. This is embedded in their DNA. Whereas, you know, um, you can, I mean, you can tell here locally how they're just taking market share from everybody else. Where is MMI in the competition, right? Uh, where mm. are the other insurers? I mean, Discovery, yes, is massive, but their strategy is to capture the young, you know, professionals um, that are, you know, can be coerced. Uh, obviously, it's intended to be more healthier, so they have to pay any, you know, um, pre- or, or payouts, insurance payouts right now because, you know, they're doing that sometime in the future by certain they want to be healthy. But sometimes it's just more you know, old school, diversified um, insurance business, and they are great underwriters. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, I certainly haven't heard of momentum in a while, so. So uh, I guess your, your, your analysis there is spot on. Um, but, I mean, that's a story for another day. And maybe one of these days we must unpack I mean, isn't they, uh, isn't Metropolitan, they, 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 they Momentum. Or, you know. Pardon? I'm saying even NMI's most recent numbers show they are slipping, they're losing market share. Market and then share. You have mm. to look, yeah, you have to look in the pool of, you know, big insurers who's actually gaining market share. And the standout uh-huh. winner is Sunland. Aish. But I, was, I mean, yeah. I, I never thought it, I never thought this year, least of all, I, uh, I'd be saying something good or, I guess, going through a good news story or, you know, uh, uh, um, maybe sort of bullish prospects for the construction sector. Well, every time it's the construction sector and this business wrap, it's it's about this one closing. It's about this one buying out the other. It's about this one, you know, complaining about the lack of uh, orders coming through from the likes of Sandral and many others. It seems now they, they, they're quite optimistic about the prospects for the last quarter of uh, uh, 2020. And uh, according to one of the indexes that have come through here, there's this expectation that a lot of projects uh, are going to try and uh, maybe uh, catch up for some of the lost time uh, due to the lockdown. What's happening here? Yeah, I mean, it, it, there is a cause to be actually quite positive because um, there, there's, many, there's many factors that play into the construction sector, right? Uh, you know, one of them is, you know, well, the, the main one obviously has to do with, you know, um, the size of these books. Is the book increasing, the order book, or is the order book going down? And obviously, uh, they are seeing intent, uh, you know, um, obviously people are feeling bullish in terms of, you know, carrying on with the current construction that we've seen. Uh, I'm going to get to the stats, about the stats right now of construction and, and, and how they're looking like that. Uh, things like low interest rates, for example, are, are good for these businesses that operate in the real economy because they can take the and they can use that as an advantage to actually, you know, borrow where they need to borrow and obviously deliver on, you know, the buildings that they need to deliver. It's not it's literally bricks and mortar. It's not 
you know, uh, a phantom concept that is hard to understand, right? Um, mm. but, but in the past couple of years, I mean, I, I, I can even go as far back as 10 years uh, from where we are today, about 80% of all the construction that was happening in South Africa was here in Phantom. <laughs> so I guess what it means when you're saying, you know, construction is going to bounce back in the fourth quarter of 2020, it's mostly going to be back again in the big metros that we used to. So it will be something here in Joburg. It will be down um, in Durban by the coast. And in Cape Town, it is DNA waterfront. So it's always the same places that tend to benefit uh, from these kind of things because, you know, bigger companies or, or bigger players uh, in these certain um, industries tend to be the same ones that also mm. have deeper pockets and can withstand uh, these big shocks. Um, and obviously, we've seen we've seen what has happened uh, in the construction sector um, post 2010. Only very few players have actually been able to continue. I mean, companies that used to be giants uh, today they've got market caps of 20 million men, uh, which is a joke. Why is still listed if you know you're worth 20 million men? Um, there's been a lot of value destruction for sure, but the ones that are you know that are going to you know remain. Are going to actually benefit from these yeah. books. I mean, come on, Bulazi. What, what what's a stock market without any stocks, man? What's a stock market without all of those smaller guys I, I, who are I know, sort of I scrambling know. for all of the big monies you guys allocate? Come on. Look, look. What are the easy equities investors going to invest in? Ah, okay. All right. <laughs> okay, Bulaz. Uh, I'm quite interested in the, what's happening at Matupi. I mean, I, I, I often say the stories that come out of ESCOM to try and explain why the lights go on and off could be put into a book and you could just, you know, quotables for days. Um, and I, I guess this time around, it's good to hear when they say, actually, we tried to fix something. We tried to repair something and it actually worked. Um, and on that basis, you can at least, you can at least relax for a while. You're not going to have load shedding for the next day or so. Look, it's, it's definitely great news. Uh, we want to see more of the same news. Um, and if this is obviously like we, we've spoken about the new CEO and his passion for turning this business around, you know, at whatever cost to his health, because I think it's his health that's at risk here mostly. Um, but looking at, you know, the, the conveyor belt situation, uh, it's the same conveyor belt that always breaks down, that broke down. Obviously, um, the speculation has actually been that uh, they were not running these conveyor belts, uh, you know, the way they were supposed to, to be. I, I know I sound very cryptic right now, so let me explain. So <laughs> this is meant to be backup, you know, conveyor belts. They haven't gotten what they're supposed to have in the first place. So, you know, your, your A-quality type mm-hmm. of conveyor belt. So that's exactly what the speculation is out there. That, you know, it's, it's not the real thing, but... I, I would like to beg to differ and give them the benefit of the doubt. So, so what, what is this like? A temporary measure? Just your bambi, Sanjay? Just for now? Exactly. You are spot on. This is what my colleagues were saying this morning, that you know, this is exactly what they thought. And these are just like, you know, you make it on the go type of thing. But uh, hopefully that's going to end. They're going to spend on the um, real... Um, materials that they need mm. to ensure that these generating units run smoothly and they only go down on planned shutdowns where they need to clean the machinery and then go back into uh, operation again. Because if that's, if that's the, the strategy that the new CEO is going through, I think 
uh, South Africa is going to see a lot of success. And um, the economy, can, you know, it depends a lot on, obviously, on power generation. And this is going to be a game changer for South Africa. We can't have ESCOM as an excuse once, you know, the teething problems, the basic issues, like conveyor belts are and we certainly live in faith, uh, we live on a, hope, on a wing and a prayer, as, uh, as the saying goes. And uh, yeah, we certainly hope we'll be able to sustain keeping the lights on and, uh, because I guess our economy is very reliant on that. Bright Kumalo, always a pleasure catching up with you, my brother. Uh, do take care. Thank you, thank you. That there was a portfolio manager and analyst at Vestact Asset Management, Bright Kumalo, uh, talking to us about some of the big stories in the world of business. We take a brief break now. And uh, in the next few minutes or so, Zola Chayana, author, speaker, counselor, and uh, socioeconomic development worker, is going to be joining us uh, in the next few minutes or so. He's our thought leader on this Thursday, and uh, we pick his uh, mind and uh, well of wisdom and experience uh, in. In, uh, I should say across a range of uh, sectors and uh, spaces and we'll also speak to him about some of the themes he explores in uh, some of his fiction work uh, fascinating stuff there and uh, we'll also uh, get to hear from him some of the stuff that is keeping him busy at this point in time uh, that is uh, Zola Blackie Chayana is going to be joining us in the next few minutes let's take this break now